Warning, this podcast review for Midnight Movie Professionals for the movie Top Gun Maverick will involve spoilers. So for the safety of those who do not want to get spoiled, I do advise that everyone do please pay attention to the spoiler warning right now. And please wait a few weeks if you would like to. Good afternoon. Please wait a few weeks if you would like to watch this movie and hear the podcast yourself. Or just sit back, relax, and listen to it. Because the spoilers are going to start with this review at 3, 2, 1. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. I am, it is Scott, your host. Welcome back to Midnight Movie Professionals. Man, I have a need. I have the need for speed. Top Gun Maverick is now available out in theaters today as I am making this podcast episode. And I'm just coming out of the theater, seeing the movie, and I have to say, my goodness, was this an amazing experience. Seeing the good old boys come back, get, seeing good old Maverick played by Tom Cruise, fly, like suiting up and flying again, I do have the need. The need for speed. This movie, holy mackerel, this was amazing, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. This was amazing, everyone. I gotta tell you. Holy mackerel, was it amazing. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I forgot to tell you who's starring in this movie besides Tom Cruise. We have the one and only, the legendary Val Kilmer come back, Val Kilmer come back for his role as Iceman. The enemy in the film, originally in the 1986 film, I do believe. Or maybe it was earlier than that. When did Top Gun come out? I gotta look right now, if I recall correctly. It was quite a few years ago. I think it was 83? If I recall correctly, I'm going to take a look now. And Top Gun was in the first one was 1986. So it's been about 35 or so years since the original one. And with this one, the sequel, who is in it again? I will definitely take a look quickly right now. Top Gun Maverick is starring... Miles Teller, Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, Glenn Powell, Ed Harris, Louis Pullman, and of course Val Kilmer. It was directed by Joseph Kaczynski. The production was done by Jerry Bruckheimer, David Ellison, Christopher McQuarrie, and Tom Cruise himself. And my, oh my, has it been this, has it been this long? We've been waiting for a long time for this film to come out. I know I've been waiting since I was eight years old for a sequel for this movie. They kept on talking about it for years. This movie was in development. Hell, it felt like for a while. It premiered last month at CinemaCon on April 28th and released today. Technically, I've seen it early, but again, that's how I am. It's, but let's get on to the story, eh? It's been over three decades after the events of the first film. Captain Maverick Mitchell is serving as a U.S. Navy test pilot and his Dodge promotion to continue flying after 33 years of service. Admiral Rear Chester Kane, call sign Hammer, plans to shut down the hypersonic Dark Star scramjet program and redirect the funds to drone programs. Maverick decides to take the prototype to its Mach, spent Mach 10 speed objective, which very ballsy if you ask me to do, before Kane can arrive. He reaches, he reaches the, Mark 10, the Mach 10 speed but before, like, before Kane can arrive, but he reaches it at such a high hypersonic speed, he kind of uh, destroys the prototype. Kane wants to um, 
ground, Maverick. Of course he'd want to because he disobeyed orders. He did a lot of dangerous things. He almost got himself killed because once this thing went super high supersonic speed, he uh, crashed it, sadly. But at least he survived, thank God. If he didn't, we'd be all dead. There would be no movie. There would be no sequel, period. So he does this, but he's instead transferred to the North Island to train only group of Top Gun graduates for a specialized mission at the orders of Maverick's friend and former rival, Admiral Tom Kazansky, also known as Iceman, played by Val Kilmer. If anyone remembers the original Top Gun, you may remember Iceman. He is now an admiral who's not doing the best, if I recall correctly. Even in real life, Val Kilmer was having some health issues before this film's production, and it looks like they've... Uh, Acknowledge that and use it in the film because he's not seen a whole lot in this film. He has a small but nice, yet my very minor brief cameo. And um, yeah, anyways, he's given the opportunity to train some more graduates of Top Gun for a specialized mission, and since. Iceman is the, the commander of the Pacific Fleet. He's asking the, him to have Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw, son of Maverick's late friend, lately best friend Goose, whose call sign is Rooster for this one, and a bunch of other uh, cadets, you could say. I, I would say cadets because, well, they're pilots, but they're Top Gun pilots. But um, you have, in this one, we have Lieutenant... Jake Saracen, also known as Hangman. We have Lieutenant Robert Floyd, also known as Bob. We have Lieutenant Natasha Trace, also known as Phoenix. We have Lieutenant Ruben Fitch, also known as Payback. Lieutenant Mickey Garcia, also known as Fanboy. Lieutenant Javi Machado, also known as Coyote. We also have Fritz in Omaha. And we also have Lieutenant Brigham, known as Har- uh, Brigham Lennox, also known as Harvard, we have Lieutenant Logan Lee, known as Yale, and we have, well, not much else. We just have a few, we have a little bit of um, archive footage of Meg Ryan being, like, playing Carol Bradshaw, and we have Goose and also some archive footage, but that's beside the point. But anyways, these people that we were asked to see in this film are also doing what they're doing as it would be. More or less with this going on. We have, like I mentioned, we have, uh, this is getting a little bit tricky for me to read. Basically, they are a elite group of uh, F-18 Super Hornet pilots that are assembled for a special mission by Admiral Bo Simpson and Real Admiral Solomon Bates. Call signs are Cyclone and Warlock. And they're both asked to, like, they're asking these pilots to destroy a uranium enrichment facility of a rogue nation. I'm going to guess it could be one in, um, I'm going to just go with a wild guess and possibly say it's, um, Serbia or something of the sort, maybe somewhere in the Middle East, maybe, but I'm not wanting to assume anything, but let's just go with, uh, Canada, just for the sake of, let's just really be sarcastic and just say for the sake of, like, just for the sake of the movie, let's just call it Canada, even if it isn't Canada, I just wanted to be funny about it. Anyways, anyone has to do this, 
but they know it's with it like they uh the location for this facility is within a steep depression at the end of a mountainous canyon that's heavily defended by sand batteries that are also known as search the air missiles for those that don't know what that means and an air base with fifth generation su-57 generation like uh fighters this required this actually requires them all to uh do a risky high-speed nap of earth approach into the canyon beneath the hostile radar to cover the uh, covers the facility to reach it and pushing them to their limits well beyond two mind you because the new f-35c is unavailable maverick recommends a spike strike package with four of the f-18s in two pairs to destroy the facility's entrance first to then destroy the facility itself he's initially rebuffed by the pilots and he's kind of done it particularly by uh, hangman as well as rooster who resents maverick for pulling his i guess his application to the naval academy setting back his career four years which he was not too happy about but again maverick did this because goose's mother didn't want him to fly period he wanted him not to even bother trying but he wanted to because he wanted to make his father proud and so i guess find out what really happened to his father which i get it i understand why i would do that too if i had a relationship that was good like that with my father but i don't but that's beside the point anyways the training prepares the pilots in all mission aspects including basic fighter maneuvers position guided mission deployment map of the earth flying as well as important teamwork as the training progresses Sadly, the, bar, uh, the pilots do become aware of the history between Bruce's father and Maverick. Goose, actually. Goose and Maverick. And they kind of lead to animosity between Hangman and Rooster due to the cavalier attitude supporting his wingman, yada yada yada. As well as observe Maverick's skill, the pilots then start to reassess their skepticism about him and actually have their cohesion improve quite significantly. While this is all happening, Maverick actually kind of uh, reunites with an old flame of his, Penny who provided him some guidance, particularly towards his uh, protective attitude towards Rooster. He meets with, and uh, what happens is, while this is happening, one day, they have a bit of a situation go down, and Iceman texts Maverick. Yes, they're texting, of all things. But uh, Maverick is asked to come see Iceman, whom isn't looking too good. He's not doing well at all. Iceman starts to use the computer to kind of uh, talk to him to use, like to say, hey, this program needs you. He, that kid needs you, and he, he, it's time to let go of the past. You can't let the past control you, is what he's trying to do. He's basically trying to tell him, like, even if he's having to type out words on a computer because of uh, he's been plagued by throat cancer, he's having some difficulty speaking. He even verbally states the gravity of the importance of the mission, and before the mission is set to launch, Iceman, may he rest in peace, passes away. Maverick does attend his funeral and he's all with a missing man formation, which everyone wants. I'm happy that they give him that. As well as the full honors that you give a Navy pilot. Like the ready, aim, fire with the firing squad. Like the. I don't know what that exactly is called exactly, but yeah. Cyclone pros, uh, strongly imposes Maverick's tactics as well as his methods and actually says he's. Uh, going to ground him and yet he decides to go against order steal a pilot uh, steal a craft do the job properly do the training exercise to show i'm ready to do this 
And then Cyclone even risks his career and says, you know what? You be the strike team leader. You do this with everyone. He is even given uh, the chance to do so. He chooses Phoenix, Bob, and Roosters pair with Payback and Fanboy. And the remaining pilots are standby, on standby alert. They're launched from the Theodore Roosevelt. While Salvo Tomahawk cruise missile setup from the Leite Lady Golf is launched to destroy the facility's airbase and a preemptive strike for scrambling enemy fighters. The nap of the earth, the nap of the earth approach does work, but there's also a situation that uh, causes some of the fifth generation fighters to show up and start to, to attack. After it does work. And some hostile SAMs also come out of nowhere, as well as the patrolling SU-57s. And they're launched, and they all, like, everyone except for uh, Coyote, as well as Dan, like uh, Payback, do make it out okay, but Maverick and Rooster are having issues because they run out of flares, as well as uh, their measures aren't doing too well. Maverick gets shot down. He does sacrifice his own jet to get Rooster out of there and injects into hostile territory and Rooster turns back to save Maverick from a hind helicopter that's pursuing him. But in the process, he also gets shot down and they both angrily reunite but they scout an area for an escape path. What happens is after they've done this, they've reunited. They're mad at one another but they did it for the right reasons. They're mad because of that. They're mad that they had to sacrifice like that Rooster sacrificed himself to get him out of there. The old like Mac, like he's sad that he like he's upset that he did that to himself, but he's also happy that he did this anyways because of the fact that one of you didn't do this. Like Maverick was stuck in that area, he'd probably be missing completely. I don't know, but he does this anyways to save him. They find themselves back to the destroyed airbase where they find a Tomcat that survived the blast, and. Uh, they take this while the enemy personnel are distracted by the fires. As they try to return to the carrier, two SU-57s do form up alongside and attempt to identify them. Maverick and Rooster decide to engage, surprising them and shooting them down. When Maverick and Rooster do try to return to the carrier, a third SU-57, it does intercept them. And they're out of weapons and countermeasures, so, and they're without any functional ejection seats. So they're, and what's even funnier is that they're saved just in the time by Hangman. Heyman has been such an asshole this entire movie. He comes out of nowhere to save them all. And it's like, wow, what a change of heart from Hangman. And it's just, it's incredible to see this. It's an incredible feature to see. And he does save them. And he launched them in the carrier after Maverick and Rooster did not return with the strike group. They do form back up to head back to the carrier where the pilots and crew celebrate upon the return arrival. The mission's over. Maverick and uh, Rooster do decide to reconcile and they work together on this project that Maverick's had for a while. He has an old P-51 Mustang at his hangar. And he then decides to have uh, Penny... Like, Penny shows up after uh, Maverick went to the bar to go find her. And she said she's on a sailing trip. Like, his, her dad says she's on a sailing trip. She comes back. After she comes back, they take off in a P-51 towards the sunset. And Goose kind of just... Uh, well, not Goose. Uh, Rooster kind of just says, ah, 
it kind of says thank you in a sense to Maverick in a good way with the photo that he sees that was back on the like back at his hangar. And yeah, that's kind of how the movie ends. What did I think about this movie? I thought this movie was incredible. I didn't talk about the music, did I? Well, the music score was composed by Lauren Balfe, Harold Faltermeyer, Lady Gaga, and Hans Zimmer. It also has a few songs in it, like uh, Hold My Hand by Lady Gaga and I Ain't Worried by One Republic, but I know what you're all thinking, ladies and gentlemen. Does the iconic song show back up? I'm not going to tell you. If you're trying to find out if uh, we went into the danger zone, well, you're going to have to find out by watching. I'm not going to tell you. Those that want to watch this podcast are going to find out for themselves that want to listen to this. Listen to the podcast, and then you'll find out if it actually happens or not. And if it does happen, you tell me. Was it worth the experience? Now... I'm going to see the music that was made by, the, like by everyone that was involved. Did an amazing job. I'm not a big fan of a lot of soundtracks that don't have a lot of composition, like original music, and are just all this, like just songs that are in a movie, for the sake of being in a movie. Like, we got a bunch of artists doing this, that, and the other thing. I don't like that a whole lot. This was a proper score that was well done. I'm not a big fan of Lady Gaga and her music, but this worked out for the better, I thought. This is not an incredulously long and difficult soundtrack to listen to. I even listened to it on the way to the movie today, and I have to say, this was good. I didn't have an issue with it at all. It was quite well done. If I had to go back and listen to another one of these albums, I probably would. And I have to say, again, this worked out for the best, I personally think. I could be wrong, I could be not, but now comes the time when I have to give my thoughts, my final thoughts and my score on this film. Well, my final thoughts are this movie was incredible, as I've already kind of described, I feel like, in articulated forms. I gotta say there were parts where I didn't like it, there were parts where I'm like, I'm very disappointed by the fact that they're trying to get these two like they're trying to get hangman and rooster to fight and i'm just like come on now guys i get there need to be conflict come on now this is not needed i wish there was more flight time in the spy aircraft that tom cruise was well that maverick was uh flying in and honestly that would have made this film a little bit more better i personally think i've been waiting for this film sequel wise for a long time when they announced they were making it I was excited. When I was thinking it was going to come out in 2019, I was excited. Then it got delayed. And then it got delayed again because of the COVID pandemic and we didn't know when it was going to come out. And that, quite frankly, bothered me a tiny bit. Not enough to be, I'm sick of this, I'm not watching this shit. No, fuck you. No, 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 no. Quite the contrary. I was was mad enough to not want to go, not to go see it for a while. And then I saw the trailer again. And I'm like, you know what? It's called Orders. It's called orders. It, it, you need to see it. You know why? It's called orders. That's how I see why I saw this movie. And this is why I'm going to give this film, Top Gun Maverick. If I was to, I'm going to shorten my uh, ratings for this one time. Because there's no such thing as a 10-star Admiral. I believe it only goes up to four. 
or five. But I think the five is the highest of all. And hasn't been used in such a long time. But this is the only time I'm gonna shorten this for this one occasion. Will I shorten it from out of 10 to out of five? Top Gun Maverick gets four stars. Admiral out of five, Admiral. This movie was incredible. If I was to go out of 10, this movie was a solid 9.5 out of 10. This movie might be movie of the year. This might not be. I'm, I've been waiting for this film for a long time. This is honestly what I would call a legacy sequel. It may not ever have another sequel as long as we live. But you know what? There was enough for me to think, you know what? We have a lot more Tom Cruise content coming in the near future. We have 2023 and 2024 respectively for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Parts 1 and 2. So I have to say that these will be just as much of another test to see how long he can keep going with characterizations of stuff that he's been a part of. This was a movie that was way too long of a wait for, but it worked at the end of the day. For a movie that's around two hours or so, two hours and 10 minutes at least, this worked. This worked well for what it was needed to be asked about, like asked for. Like I didn't expect it to be crap. I knew there was going to be conflict because when I found out that Goose's son was going to be in it, I'm like, okay, fine. I figured there's going to be some conflict. Maverick's going to feel problematic working with him, this, that, and the other thing. But I do know when I heard the original theme be reproduced and redesigned and kind of remade in a positive note, I was like, okay. This works for me. This works very well for me. I'm liking it. I'm digging it. And I heard it quite a few times in the film itself. And it worked well. Now, again, these are all my final thoughts here. I think this movie worked well. There was a lot of issues with it that I didn't like. But you know what? Maybe it's me. I don't find Tom Cruise all that incredible sometimes. But when there's a movie that he's in where he works well at it. And it doesn't have to, because this is the only time I've actually wanted to see a Tom Cruise movie that didn't see him running, punching, running. There was maybe a little bit of that near the end of this film for the running and punching and running, but he's not doing it like 95% of the time like he is in the Mission Impossible movies, it feels like. After Mission, like once Mission Impossible 3 came out, that's all he started to do, it felt like. But now, this was a movie that was worth it. Now, again, 9.5 9.5 out of 10. A solid 4.5, 4. 4.4 out of 5 on the stars, if I was to give it that. Again, that, that's what I'm giving it. A 4 out of 5 for military ranks. This got to the highest ranking you could be as a decorated member of the military, pretty much. This was worth it. I'm happy I saw it. Will I see this movie again? Probably not in theaters unless I'm given the opportunity to go see it in IMAX. I did not see it in IMAX this time around, but if I do get the chance to see it in IMAX with someone, I will go see it in IMAX. But right now, it's either going to be a home release chance for me or not. It all depends on what people want to do. If they want to go see it in IMAX with me, then I'll go see it with them in IMAX. But right now, I don't plan on seeing it again right away. This was not like a Sonic 1 or Sonic 2 where I wanted to see it again and again and again. 
there's only been a few movies where I've done that. And this is one that worked out well. It was worth another watch, but I don't know if I would do it again in theaters. But again, I might have to. But again, it was enjoyable. Was it worth the wait? I'd have to say yes. Did it feel too long? Not really. It could have been longer, but I'm glad it wasn't. It ended on a good note. It didn't end on such a sour note where I'm thinking, oh no, they're repeating the first one all over again. No, it did not do that. And I'm happy it didn't. So, yeah, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is Scott signing out. I will be back very soon with another Midnight Movie Confessionals episode. I'm not too certain on which one it will be, but I'll be back very soon. Until next time, folks, this is Scott Betson signing out. Trends and the transmission.